tonight because I got Brother Benjamin on the line here with us, and we believe that the Lord is going to move in this country. Uh, Folks, we don't ever know um, what tomorrow is going to bring, but we do know that we are getting so close to the very end of time that eventually one day you will wake up and realize that it is over. The good news is you don't have to be caught by surprise. You can be awake. You can be ready. The Lord gave us one command too. He said, watch, watch ye always. Listen, this thing doesn't come as a thief into the night to those that are watching. It comes as a thief in the night, the second coming of the Lord, to those who are not paying attention. So we want to be awake in this hour, and we want to be ready. And Brother Benjamin has a message for us tonight, so I'm going to bring him in with no longer waiting here. Brother Benjamin, are you here with us? Hey, Frank. Hey, man. Benjamin, love your brother. Glad you're here. Um, I... Appreciate you taking your time out and and, uh, sharing with us what the Lord's got on your heart and uh, what's going on right now in the world. Of course, we see, uh, well, I don't know. I I guess I'm to the point, Benjamin, if you don't see it anymore, I just don't know what else to say. Yeah, forget about it. It's it's over. If you're not awake now, you know, go, you know, enjoy your sleep. It's like warning a brick wall, you know, it just, you can only say but so much. But Benjamin... I, I'm the wicked ask shall not he, understand, brother. The right. righteous shall understand, but none of the wicked shall understand. And, you know, we're going to be really surprised to find out that people who profess to be Christians, God numbered them among the wicked. But, you know, that's a different program, and, you know, yeah. we, want to, we want to get to the meat of what we've got to talk about tonight. But, you know, first and foremost, we mentioned a solemn assembly. Um, yes. I guess it was a week or two on, on the air. Yes. And about 30 people responded, and praise God for that, maybe a little more. Uh, we are praying about what to do, but I can tell you that there is a powerful revival meeting that is uh, going to be very much modeled in the fashion of a solemn assembly that is being planned right now by Lynn Liaz and a group of uh, pastors in the Midwest and the uh, revival, it's, it's entitled Pentecost 2018, Let My People Go. And it will take place over the weekend of Pentecost in May, May 18, 19, 20. And it's also uh, possible that the, um, the revival might actually occur for a, a couple of additional days, perhaps starting on the 16th. All of the details of uh, the facility locations, et cetera, have yet to be worked out. But the revival will take place in the great state of Indiana, and it is going to be in Gary, Indiana. And Gary uh, actually means spear, and this is the tip of God's spear. Uh, the Lord spoke to Lynn very clearly that he was very angry about at the conferences that had been done in his name in which the men had been merchandising 
the message of the watchman and merchandising the message of the gospel for the purpose of selling their wares, their gold, their whatevers, along with selling tickets. And the conferences were in wealthy parts of the country. They were in wealthy hotels. And the poor were unable to attend. And the Lord said, I'm doing a revival. Don't even call it a conference. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to begin in one of the poorest cities in America. I want to start in Gary, Indiana. And I don't know if you guys know that city or not, but but Gary is definitely one of the, the poorer cities of America. And the irony of it all is it's about, oh, maybe 10 miles from, maybe 20 miles from where I was born and where I grew up. So, and Lynn testifies, the Lord told her, he is going to move in power. And I don't know if you guys know Lynn Liaz or not. If you don't, check her out on YouTube. But uh, I've known Lynn for several years, and in my estimation, in my opinion, Lynn hears from the Lord. She's got a heart for God. And, and the Lord is about to begin something amazing. And I am praying about whether there's, we, uh, the members of the, the prayer army for, um, for my ministry, and, and those of you who wanted to participate in the solemn assembly, perhaps we should gather a day, perhaps two days early, and spend a couple of days in prayer, fasting, and in a solemn assembly in a small group format as the prayer support or part of the prayer support for Pentecost 2018, Let My People Go, which is going to be a powerful move of God. And it could very well be a move that unleashes the breakthrough that it, that is so desperately needed in so many lives. So, you know, here we've been praying about, Lord, we, we want you to organize a, a solemn assembly, and, well, God appears to be organizing one for all of us. And so, anyway, that's the um, information on, on the little that I know. I have been invited as one of the seven speakers uh, who will be speaking at Pentecost 2018. Um, and I don't know the names off the top of my head, of the of all of the other guys, but I heard one of the other pastors today in a message, and well, let me tell you his name because um, hold on one sec, I've got to find this name. Um, yeah, it, pardon me, friends. Um, I'm looking. Okay, he is the pastor. His name is Benjamin Fairchild, and he's the pastor of um, IgnitedChurchLife.com, and he has some powerful messages on YouTube. Perhaps we'll get a link up when this show airs. His most recent message that the church is being deceived, America's been deceived, there is no there is no time to make America great again because America is about to be judged and the war is coming, which is precisely what I and, and many others are getting out of the word at this point. And, and the warning signs, of course, are in the news as well. We Benjamin, are his, his actual name, his name is actually Benjamin Faircloth. Um, oh, thank uh, you, Frank. 
not Fairchild. That's okay. Just so everybody knows. No, no, I appreciate that correction. And can I'll send you the program. You insert the link. There's an amazing this this pastor did an awesome program. You guys are going to want to hear this. And uh, he is on the same page. The judgment, in fact, is drawing near. Okay, so that was the latest news from the kingdom. And I want to share and, and speak from the book of Zechariah today and, um, and give you guys uh, some blessings from the Word of God. So let's pray. Lord, we consecrate this time to you. Lord, it's your Word. We're looking into your Word, and, and we're looking to you, Jesus. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We come in the name of your beloved Son. We come for life, Lord. We come for you. We come for holiness. And we come for salvation. We come that we might drink the cup of salvation. Lord, the letter of the law killeth, but the, the Spirit, and the Spirit-breathed Word of God bringeth life. So, Lord, I pray the Spirit-breathed Word would come forth in this hour, and that it would bring life and healing and deliverance to the listeners and that you would touch each one of us, Lord, where, exactly where we need a touch from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Zechariah. Hallelujah. One of, I'm sure, everybody's favorite books in the Bible. The name Zechariah actually means the Lord will remember. And, you know, what a beautiful name. And, and, you know, well, what will God remember? I mean, God actually remembers the, almost everything, right? Except for the things he chooses to forget. Thank God the Lord chooses to forget our sins. He puts them as far as the east is from the west. And, and he puts them in the sea of forgetfulness. And, but for everything else, the Lord always remembers. But there is one thing in particular that God refers to as I will remember and that is the promise that he made to his friend Abraham wherein the Lord promised that he would bless Abraham's descendants and and in many places in Bible prophecy the Lord talks about at the end of the age regathering Israel into their own land and after a season of time remembering Israel and returning to Jerusalem with mercy, returning to the true Israel of God with mercy. And so Zechariah's very name gives us an insight into the prophecy that is going to be revealed in his book because it's the prophecy that God is going to show us some of the details surrounding his remembrance of his people Israel, and his remembrance of Zion. Because 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came and was rejected of the people and, and he was persecuted by the religious leaders, and he, he was only accepted and embraced by a remnant of the people. And then when the Lord was, was crucified for our sin and, and he rose again on the third day, and he bore witness the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, our King, in his resurrected body, he bore witness of himself for 40 days before he was caught up into the heavens. And, and, and then, of course, you know, the anointing came on, on Pentecost, on the 50th day. 
The Lord told the disciples to wait until the power comes on high. And that was my estimate in the year 30 A.D. And then the Lord gave the witness of the Acts of the Apostles and the witness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which had never been available to the common people, the witness of the born-again new believers in the New Covenant to Israel for 40 years, and then the destruction came. Jerusalem was destroyed. The nation was destroyed. And the people were sent into exile. And for having rejected the Lord and having rejected his new covenant, Israel was rejected of God and cut off. And the gospel, the new covenant, was given primarily to the Gentiles. And Israel wandered the earth and an outcast. It's known as the diaspora in Hebrew. You know, the great wandering for 2,000 years. Israel's wandered. But at the time of the end, the Lord promised he would remember Zion. And so Zechariah's very name prophesies of the remembrance of the Lord in the last days. And, and so the prophecies in this book are all last days prophecies. And We will likely not get through the book of Zechariah tonight. This will probably just be Zechariah part one. But without any further ado, let's look at the things the Lord wants to share with us that he chose to remember with respect to Zion. And, and first, the book of Zechariah came forth. Zechariah himself was born in Babylon. And he was part of the remnant that returned under the leadership of Zerubbabel and under the leadership of Joshua, the high priest. And so the book came forth. These prophecies came forth in Babylon. Israel was still in Babylon, even as we are in Babylon today. We live in the daughter of Babylon, and Israel's in the captivity to spiritual Babylon. And these words are coming to pass yet again. So Zechariah chapter 1, in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, Darius was the name of the king, but actually Darius is not a name as much as a title in the second year of the name of the president or of the king. In the second year of the term of our president, the word of Zechariah was about to come forth and manifest in the land. And so the word was written in the second year of the king in that time. And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edu, who was a prophet. So Zechariah was the grandson of a prophet of God. And the Lord chose the same family again. God likes to do that. He has certain families. He calls them to do certain jobs. And he, I guess he taps the shoulders of the children and then their children's children. And the word of the Lord came forth saying, The Lord has been sore displeased with your fathers. God was displeased. And this was the generation that was nearing the end of the captivity in Babylon. Zechariah got this word, but then the people were soon to leave and go back to the land. So the 70 years of captivity was, was nearing an end. We don't know the exact year of the prophecy, but it was near the end because Zechariah went back shortly after writing the book. But the Lord told Zechariah, I was very displeased with your fathers. 
And those were the, the fathers that went into the captivity. And the Lord said, Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Turn you unto me, Turn back to me, saith the Lord of hosts, And I will turn unto you, saith the Lord. Is our God amazing? Here he's telling Zechariah, I am very displeased. I am very angry. I am frustrated, and I am beside myself with your fathers. So go tell them this. If they return to me, I'm going to forgive them. Amen. These are people God was sorely displeased with. And the very first thing the Lord says is, return unto me, and then I will return to you. And be not as your fathers, unto whom the prophets cried, saying, Turn now from your evil ways. But they did not hear or hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Don't be like the people that refuse to hear the word of the Lord. And the scripture says, And your fathers, where are they? Well, they were dead by this point. And the prophets who admonished them, did they live forever? No, they were gone as well. But my word and my commandments, which I gave unto these prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? Did the word of God not come upon them and seize them? And did they not reap the fruit of their ways? Oh, indeed, we all did, and we all shall. And the Lord of hosts did unto us according to our own ways. Oh, brothers and sisters, think about that. The Lord will do unto each of us according to our ways. I, it is my opinion, the majority of us should change our ways before the doing unto us begins. And the time of the doing of the Lord is coming very quickly, as we shall see in this book. And in the fourth and twentieth day of the eleventh month, in the second year of Darius, Zechariah said, I saw by night, behold, a man riding a red horse. And he stood among the myrtle trees. And we know the myrtle trees are kind of an exaggeration to call them a tree. They're really more a bush. They're little teeny trees. I mean, in the world of trees, they would be the humblest of the trees. They're not the great cedars of Lebanon. They're not the proud oaks of Bashan. These are the little bushes that, you know, somehow managed to be identified as a tree. But behind these trees, and in the bottom, there were red horses. A red horse among the myrtle trees, and before him also other red horses speckled red and white. And I said, oh my Lord, what are these? What are these red horses? These are what's about to happen. The white horse has already been running. Because the book of Zechariah is going to be fulfilled in our day, brothers and sisters, more literally than you can imagine. And so the next horse to ride is the red horse of war. Right now they're just standing in the night. People can't tell the red horse is here because it's dark. The horses are hidden in the darkness. But as soon as the day appears, as soon as the day appears, It'll be obvious that the red horses are ready to ride. And he said, what are these? And the angel speaking with me said, I will show you what these be. 
And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are the ones whom the Lord has sent to go forth into the earth. You know, the Lord sent the white horse and the red horse and the black horse as well. All of the judgments in the book of Revelation are being done by the Lord. It is the Lord who is sovereign. It is the Lord who is the author of our salvation. It is the Lord who is going to deliver his remnant. And the Lord will purge his barn utterly with fire. And he will cleanse the Laodicean church. And then he will judge the wicked with a judgment that I don't think we want to even fully comprehend. And we should thank God for the mercy we received at the price of the life of Jesus. Because I, personally, I couldn't endure the judgment for one day, let alone eternity. These red horses are the ones the Lord sent to walk through the earth. And then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you not show mercy to Jerusalem and to the cities of Judah, against which you have had indignation these 70 years? Oh, there's that 70 years again. The 70 years of captivity of Israel. If you haven't heard the message, go into the archives of Remnant Call. You must hear it. But again, Zechariah is also confirming. We have another witness. Only brothers and sisters, hear me now. Listen carefully. In Jeremiah 25, when I told you that the 70 years of captivity of Israel were being fulfilled a second time in the end of the age, in the reborn state of Israel, which God has turned over to their own ways and left them under the deception of Satan and the deception of sin. And they were now in spiritual slavery. And the Lord had indignation for 70 years. Now, there were those who have questioned, you know, is that really true for our generation? Well, it's absolutely true that they've been in slavery for these 70 years. And the 70th year begins on April 19, which is the 4th of Ayar on the Hebrew calendar, and that's the anniversary of the founding of the state. So the, 70 years, the 70th year will begin April 19. It will not end until April 2019. And I had suggested that after 70 years, and therefore before the 71st year begins, God would once again free Israel. And at the same time, he would free all of his remnant from the bondage under which so many suffer today. Well, here in the book of Zechariah, look what the prophecy is telling us. Zechariah is God's remembrance, and we will see as we get into the book these prophecies had nothing to do. Well, that maybe not. That's perhaps not correct. Perhaps they had an original fulfillment, but they also clearly have a dual fulfillment at the end of the age because most of the book is only about the end of the age. That's the 
reference that I was referring to. The vast majority of the prophecies in Zechariah are actually last days only. Now, there may have been a specific prophecy that was also fulfilled in a type in a shadow at the time of Zechariah's writing, but the majority of these. And, and the 70 years clearly was being fulfilled because Israel was about to leave Babylon, and Zechariah would go with them. But the Lord had indignation against Israel for 70 years. And then in verse 14, the angel said, Cry out loud, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great jealousy. And this is the Lord remembering that Jerusalem is his city. It's the city of the king. And Zion is his holy mountain. Now God, through the words of Zechariah, is expressing the remembrance he's remembering in his heart. Not just in his head. God's got emotion. He's not just remembering, oh, yep, that's my city. I've got to go back and reclaim my, the city of the king. No, God's heart is in turmoil. And he's greatly jealous for Zion. And look at verse 15. And I am very sorely displeased with the heathen that are at ease. For I was but a little bit displeased with my people, and they made the affliction worse. So the Lord had been displeased with Israel, sent them into slavery. And he, even here at the end of the age, the Lord has been displeased with the church and with Israel regathered in the land, the remnant of which are also his people. And so we've been in a spiritual captivity. Now, some may debate that. Laodiceans who've never walked in the fullness of the kingdom and have no idea what it means to really walk with the Lord, who are bound in their unbelief regarding the true covenant, who are devoid of the spirit of life, who are waterless clouds blown by the east wind, will tell me that compromise, apostate, sealed into hell Christianity, is not in slavery at all. And maybe, maybe they have a point. Since they are sons of the serpent, after all, they're not in slavery. They're just in their own element. But the children of God, who've been chosen of the promise of the Father, they have been in bondage. And if you are born again, and if you've tasted of the Holy Spirit, and you know what I'm talking about, then you will bear witness with me that, that the new creation is in travail. The picture of the woman, have you ever seen such a thing? Every man with his hand on his loins in travail to give birth to the kingdom because we've all been committed to slavery. The slavery of the flesh, which is a slavery imposed on our spirit man. And the remedy is the death of the flesh. And it's the reason for the, the call to fasting and prayer. It's the reason for the call to the solemn assemblies and the remnant who will survive and endure. They hear the call of the Lord. And they will respond according to the commandment of the Lord and not according to the yoke of another man. Don't, don't come under my yoke. I'm nobody. I'm a, a voice crying in the wilderness. And if you hear anything uttered by the Spirit of God, then take heed. And if you hear anything else, you know, just let the words fall to the ground. But the remnant shall hear. And the wise shall understand. And those that have been appointed unto life, they will make ready. For the latter-day rain comes in the months of April and May, when the high holy days are upon us. 
The Lord is jealous for his people again. And the jealousy for Jerusalem in this hour, and the jealousy for Zion in this hour is the, is the Zion of God. It's the Zion in the Spirit. He's jealous that his remnant could be redeemed and that the deceptions and the bondages of the flesh would be overthrown. And so the Lord says, I am returning to Jerusalem. The Lord had forsaken them. He'd sent the people into captivity, and he had forsaken the temple, and it had been burned to the ground. Well, in the modern-day fulfillment, those of you who understand and who have a heart filled with wisdom can recognize the dual fulfillment under the new covenant of the same Word of God, because God doesn't change, and His entire Word is true yesterday, today, and forever. What was fulfilled in the natural, in the life of the people of Israel is fulfilled spiritually in the life of the church of the new covenant. And so the Lord, passing in judgment on Israel, decreed that they would go into slavery in the flesh, the city would be burned, the temple destroyed, and so the Lord left, and he left them to their own devices. Well, in today's fulfillment, here in the last days, in which God sent a strong delusion down upon the disobedient people, the church was turned over spiritually to the deception. You guys that have listened to me for years, you know that I was there when the demonic first came in through the false worship. And I, I saw the satanic spirits fill what was the day before a spirit-filled church. I've been in the assembly when the Spirit of God has literally risen up and left the building. And when I saw the anointing of God begin to move out of the building, I stood up out of my seat, and I promptly I followed the Lord right out the door. And if God's not going to stay in a church, neither should you. And so the Lord had turned the churches over, and the people went into captivity spiritually. Doctrines of demons taught from the pulpits. The compromise and the apostasy of the Laodicean people is now the American gospel. And only a few people even know it's an error. But the Lord said in Zechariah, I'm returning to my house. The Lord is coming back to the church of the remnant, and he's coming back to deliver the people who still have love for him in their hearts. And the Lord says, I will yet comfort Zion, and I will yet choose Jerusalem. And so he's going to comfort his true elect saints, and he's going to again choose his people. This time we are the living temple that he's going to rebuild. Hallelujah. And then Zechariah says, I lifted up my eyes and I saw, behold, four horns. This is verse 18, chapter 1. Now, horns represent power. Okay, what he saw were horns in the atmosphere, but they were a symbol of power. These are principalities. These are powerful beings who have power. And I said unto the angel, what are these? These horns that are floating around. And the angel answered, these are the powers which scattered Judah and Israel and Jerusalem. These were the principalities and the powers that came with the Babylonian invasion that ransacked the city, burned the temple, destroyed 
all of Jerusalem and took the people into captivity. Zechariah is now being shown symbols representing these powers. And then they're also pictured. Well, let me just read the verse. Pardon me, Lord. Then said I, well, you know, what, come of, what have these come to do? These are the horns which scattered the people of God so that no man could lift up his head. I mean, these people were crushed emotionally, physically, spiritually. Israel was led away as slaves. And so they could not lift up their head. So the church today, in the true spirit of God, many of them can't lift their head either. They're crushed. They've been broken. They've fallen. They've been snared. And some of them have been taken. So they cannot lift their head in the spirit. These have come to terrify them and to cast out the horns of the Gentiles, which lifted up their horn over the land of Judah. God's now reversing the judgment. Israel's captivity and judgment is ending, and the judgment is now going to come upon the wicked. And so, too, the prophecy at the end of the age, when the Lord's ready to redeem the remnant, he's going to do it in the day of judgment upon the Gentile nations. And then in verse two, chapter 2, rather, Zechariah writes and says, I lifted up my eyes again, and I looked. Behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. And then I said, where are you going? And he said to me, I'm going to measure Jerusalem. Well, that's the judgment of God. The Lord's going to put the plumb line out and the measuring line out to see if the lines are straight or if maybe they're crooked. And so the judgment of God begins in his own house. Judgment of God began in Jerusalem. And now the angels are measuring it. Measuring yet again. And then an angel said, this is verse 4, Run and speak to this young man, Zechariah, I guess he was still a young man, saying Jerusalem will be inhabited. The desolate city will be inhabited again as a town without walls and with multitudes of men and cattle therein. And so the true church, which is desolate today, is going to be built again. The Lord is going to redeem the people. And I'm, with faith, looking forward to that move, perhaps even this Pentecost 2018. Let's be in prayer about it. But the time to deliver Zion has come. And so the Lord will rebuild and restore his people. And then look at verse 5. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her, Jerusalem, a wall of fire round about, and I'll be the glory in the midst of her. Ho, oh, come forth and flee from the land of the north, says the Lord. For I've spread you abroad as the four winds of heaven. Okay, having spread the people abroad as the four winds means they were spread to the four corners of the earth. That is the last day's diaspora that occurred to, over the last 2,000 years. When Israel was taken captive in the time of Daniel, and Zechariah was born in the captivity and was part of the regathering and restoration of the nation, Israel did not get scattered to the four winds. They were taken strictly to Babylon. So this is a reference, 
at the end of the age and not in the time of Zechariah. And so the rest of what we read is also for our hour, brothers and sisters. Verse 7, deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwells with the daughter of Babylon. Well, now that's an interesting prophecy. Zechariah did not live in the daughter of Babylon. The daughter of Babylon is a reference from Jeremiah 15:51. It's a reference to the last days descendant empire that would be part of mystery Babylon at the end of the age. And we know that it's the hindermost nation, which means the last nation, the last superpower, and it also means in the West. So we know this is a reference to the United States of America. Deliver thyself. You who dwell in the United States of America. You know, there's something required of us. And, you know, what do we need to do to be delivered from the deceptions of, of America Babylon? Well, we, we need to put out the unclean things from our house. We need to get Babylon and the, and the false gods of Babylon out of our hearts. And we need to sanctify our minds and renew our minds with the wash of the Lord, we need to get Babylon out of us before we can even think about or talk about getting us out of Babylon. And that's the reason for the solemn assemblies, and that's the reason for the prayer and the fasting. Now, the Bible gives us the general rule that when we're fasting, we should, you know, not put on a big sorrowful face, you know, not make a big deal out of, oh, I'm fasting, you know, because God says, then you get your reward. Well, that's not much of a reward. You know, we fast for the spiritual breakthrough, and we fast for the power of the anointing that comes. We fast, as Paul said, to place our own flesh in subjection, and we fast for the, the breaking of the yoke and the deliverance of the captives. You know, and the Lord told us some kind of satanic opposition can only be undone through prayer and fasting. And so we fast as, as all true disciples of the Lord fast and pray. And now there may be a lot of Christians who are not disciplined or not disciples because there's large scores of Christians that have never fasted even a day. But, you know, the disciples and the people that the Lord are, are, is calling into the remnant, they're all being quickened to fast and pray now. But generally, you know, we don't want to be out bearing witness. However, I'm... I've been called as a teacher, and so uh, I feel like I should teach a little bit from my personal experience. I have been fasting basically from the beginning of this month, for, say, seven days over the last 15, which is sort of half-time fasting. The last four days I've been fasting exclusively, and on just the distilled water mix, this morning... I was really tired, and I found a perfectly ripe grapefruit in my refrigerator. And I have almost no other food in this house. And, and so I, I thought, I wonder if I should eat this grapefruit. So I prayed, you know, Lord, should I have this little grapefruit? I haven't had any food for this. is the fourth day. I really felt the Lord said, yes, I want you to eat this grapefruit. So I had a little grapefruit. I had, was on a little Daniel breakfast this morning with a grapefruit. i got to tell you guys, it changed my mental state over the next couple hours. My mind was back in the mind of the flesh. It was tilted, you know, 90 degrees back. 
whereas in the time of the fasting, the issues of the flesh that, you know, I was struggling with, they're, they're gone. They're gone. They don't even exist. And that's how powerful fasting is. The only reason I share that is to encourage you guys. And, you know, you don't need to do a long-term fast, but you know what you should do? You should watch. There's a movie. It's on the Internet. I think it's called The Fasting Movie. Maybe I can get a, um, a link for you, Frank, and we can put it up on the website. Yeah, we'll we'll I think post you it have to pay. you send it to me. Yeah, we have to pay like $4 to watch it or something. Uh, and it's a medical movie explaining all the different types of fasting, but it's extremely beneficial. And one of the fasting types is to not eat after you have an early dinner until 14, 12 to 14 hours later. And, and the wonderful effects of fasting, but fasting in this hour is part of the victory. And so, you know, I would encourage all of you, if you want to deliver yourself, O Zion, who is dwelling, living in the daughter of Babylon, which is everybody pretty much listening to this program, who live in the greater 50 states, we need to start with prayer and fasting, and we need to start with the solemn assemblies. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 10, sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come, I'm coming, and I will dwell in the midst of these lords coming in his people. You know, I've been trying to tell people that Jesus is coming in his remnant before he comes in the clouds, and everybody looks at me like a cow looking at a new gate. What do you mean, Christ in you, the hope of glory? Haven't you ever heard the verse, Christ in you, the hope of glory? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that verse, but I didn't know he would come in me. Do you not understand the Bible? Jesus is in us, but right now, the Holy Spirit's in us. If you're born again, if you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit in you, but that Spirit, the Spirit of God that's in you, is in your spirit. And your body and your mind can still be very much defiled in the flesh. And what the Lord is talking about here is, I'm coming to dwell in the midst of you, but I'm going to fill you Utterly, we'll see as we continue in Zechariah that God intends a anointing without measure upon the remnant of this generation. And brothers and sisters, you want to be part of this. Amen. It's going to Amen. be a great blessing to be part of this. And now I'm just going to jump forward. It says Benjamin, we got we got three minutes left, Benjamin. Yeah, I know. It says the Lord will inherit Judah, his portion, in the Holy Land. And then we're told, be silent, O flesh, for the Lord has lifted himself up. He's raised up from his holy habitation. And, and we'll continue with chapter 3, but let me just make one comment. In chapter 3, we, we are shown Joshua, who has been chosen as the high priest and as a leader in the, in the temple and in the house of God. And here, Joshua is wearing filthy garments. And even though he's chosen of God, he's, he's part of the elect, he's actually filthy. And the Lord has to remove the iniquity. Well, that's a picture of the church and virtually the entire ecclesia today has been defiled. We've been walking on defiled ground. 
The enemy's been waging massive warfare against us that we haven't been able to identify, recognize, or appropriately defend ourselves against. And so we have been getting snared and stumbled and tripped up, and we've been collecting a lot of mud on our feet, and it's gotten all over our garments, and we've been in, as Joshua was, we've become filthy. And so the Lord needs to cleanse his people. And that's also the reason for the prayer and the fasting and the solemn assemblies. And that's the reason for Pentecost 2018. Let my people go, because that's what the Lord is saying right now. That's what's happening. God's about to deliver the remnant. And Frank, we'll stop there, brother. Amen. Thank you, folks. This is uh, you know, our first part of some real insight into Zechariah. Benjamin, thank you for sharing. I know you've got a lot more insight and some more insight, hopefully, uh, in part two, uh, as we share what's going to happen, uh, hopefully, with this upcoming Pentecost um, program. Benjamin, I'm looking forward to it. God bless you. Thank you for coming on the Remnant Call. And everybody, this is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin from the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.